Welcome to another episode of Search News You Can Use with me, Dr. Marie Haynes. This is a little bit of a different episode. I'm trying to do a video version of podcast. If you're listening on Spotify or any of the regular audio platforms, you can still listen as a regular podcast. Uh, but if you go to YouTube and find our channel at Marie Haynes Inc., uh, you will find some slides that go along with this talk. Uh, I've been learning a lot this week in the last couple of weeks about semantic search. And so what I want to do today is share with you my thoughts on semantic search and how Google is changing from a search engine that's heavily reliant on PageRank, on links, to one that is a semantic search engine, uh, a search engine based on the understanding of meaning of words. Uh, there's a lot still to be known in this area, and I don't claim to have it all figured out, but I wanted to share with you today a bunch of my thoughts on how this knowledge of understanding semantic search can help us to do better in terms of EAT and also in terms of producing content that Google wants to rank. Uh, I think there's a lot in here, and so I hope you enjoy this episode. Before we get started, we do have a content sponsor for today. Our sponsor is ContentFly. Uh, need to create high-quality content fast and at scale for your SEO strategy? Don't waste time and money on overcrowded job platforms. ContentFly matches you with the top 1% of writers, so you can rank, build your brand, and accelerate your growth. ContentFly's custom matching process ensures you find the perfect writers for your content goals. They even include free revisions and rewrites, plagiarism checks, and a 30-day, 4,000-word money-back guarantee. If you'd like to give it a try, you can get a trial by visiting contentfly.com slash search news, and there will be a special trial there for you. So let's talk about semantic search. There's uh, a lot that I want to unpack here, so we'll see how this goes. Um, when I first started in SEO, it was in the time of Panda and Penguin. I, I started making websites around 2008 or so. And by 2011, when Panda came out, I was really, really heavily involved in trying to understand why is it that Google preferred certain websites over others. And uh, 2012, so it was actually, we've, we've just had the 10-year anniversary of Google's Penguin algorithm. 2012 was when Penguin came out. And Penguin was an algorithm that was very, very punishing to a lot of websites, especially websites that had been involved in link building. So I got really obsessed with trying to help these websites to do better. Um, these Google algorithms could often be very, very devastating to websites that were affected. Back then, there were very... Uh, understandable, accepted ways of dealing with these types of algorithm updates. If you were affected by Penguin, we knew that you should look at the quality of your links and perhaps use Google's disavow tool. And if you were affected by Panda, we would know that we should look at thin content, uh, perhaps duplicate content. That was up for debate for a little bit. Um, but the point here is that Google algorithms were used to seeing something that if Google does this, then we do this. Uh, and the new algorithms, the way that Google's working, is very, very hard uh, to, to, to understand what Google's doing. So if you were affected by a core update, so Google has core updates a few times a year, and these are often massive updates. If you were affected by a core update, then uh, you often don't know what to do. 
a site that has had a big drop from a core update hit may uh, possibly um, have technical issues, but probably not. And so if you go in and you do a site audit and uh, you try to fix all the technical problems you can, you're probably not going to recover a site that's been hit by a core update. We're finding that many of the sites that come to us now for help in, uh, in doing better on Google search are actually technically sound or very, very close to it. It's not the technical issues that cause a site to do poorly in Google's algorithms these days. We're used to, as SEOs, we're used to an algorithm that's based on page rank. We all know page rank. That's why we link. That's why we look for links from authoritative places. Because if somebody in an authoritative website links out to my website, that's something that Google's algorithms have historically rewarded. We are very good at understanding how page rank works. Well, I want to tell you that uh, in 2013, when Google released the Hummingbird algorithm, it was much, much bigger than most SEOs talked about. Um, on my algo list, uh, where we list out all of the different updates that uh, Google has done, I've been doing this for 10 years now. I remember when Hummingbird came out, and most SEOs had no clue that anything had happened. Google told us Hummingbird came out a month after they had released it. And uh, they said, oh, by the way, we uh, have a whole new engine for uh, Google search now, and we are calling it Hummingbird. And nobody really understood uh, what the purpose of Hummingbird was. Now, I found this very interesting piece from a uh, Search Engine Land article where Danny Sullivan talked about PageRank and said, now this is Danny Sullivan before he worked for Google. He was uh, at Search Engine Land then. And Danny said that PageRank now with the Hummingbird algorithm is just one of over 200 factors that are in Google's algorithms. Uh, PageRank, uh, again, is the thing that we, as most SEOs, focus on primarily. So with Hummingbird, things changed so that PageRank was just one factor, not necessarily the most important one. I still think it is. I still think uh, for most searches that are done, PageRank is the main, the most important thing. Uh, but I think Google is moving closer and closer to a semantic search engine. Um, this uh, uh, thing that you'll see up on the screen if you're watching on YouTube is uh, an article uh, that I had to find on archive.org. It was written in the Wall Street Journal describing how PageRank uh, was going to be less important as Google became a semantic search engine. Um, and as Google became a semantic search engine, semantics mean understanding the meaning behind words as opposed to just matching keywords in queries with keywords on pages. Uh, and so PageRank is still important, don't get me wrong. Uh, Google's Guide to Disinformation on how they fight disinformation on the web tells us that links are still very, very closely associated with trustworthiness and with authoritativeness. Uh, these are still important. Just recently, Google uh, announced that uh, the things that they've done with web spam and improving spam on the web. And uh, they say that links still help Google discover content and rank content. So uh, links are still important, but as I'm going to share in a minute. And if you're a listener of a podcast, you know that I've been saying this for quite some time. Uh, I believe that Google is good at knowing which links to count now and which links uh, should be ignored. Uh, and so I'm going to explain a little bit more of that in a minute. I think that a lot of people who are spending money on links are actually wasting a lot of money uh, when it comes to uh, if your main purpose is to try to improve your page rank, uh, then perhaps these links are being ignored by Google. 
Um, so as SEOs, uh, since Panda and Penguin, we've had many, many updates. What seems to be the most common now is we get these blips. The SEMrush sensor will show uh, whenever the SERPs, uh, uh, there's turbulence in the SERPs. So whenever um, we see that things have changed a lot, then that's what the SEMrush sensor uh, monitors. There's other tools that do it as well. Uh, I, I seem to have settled on uh, paying attention mostly to the SEMrush sensor. Um, you can see here that even in the last week, there's been three dates that SEMrush calls red, uh, and these are dates that have had uh, crazy turbulence in the search results. And these are dates where if we ask Google about them, they won't tell us that there was an update. I mean, they do tell us when they run a core update, uh, but when we see these blips, most of the time, uh, somebody from Google says, no, no, we didn't run an update, or, you know, there's updates every day, uh, and, uh, and there's nothing significant that happened. But one thing that they always do is refer us to this blog post that I harp on about all the time, what webmasters should know about Google's core updates. Uh, Google core updates, even if you have not been negatively affected by a core update, there's so much that you could do in this blog post, uh, based on this blog post, to improve the quality of your website. And so I'm going to go over a few of the... Um, uh, the things, the questions that are asked in this blog post. And my hope is to show to you that uh, these questions are not just wishful thinking, that Google would like us to all write uh, websites that have content like this, but that Google actually can measure this type of thing algorithmically. Uh, and so, and maybe uh, it's possible that some of this is not happening just yet. Um, there's some debate on uh, how much of a semantic search engine Google is, uh, but I am positive that we're headed in that direction. And soon, we're going to see uh, that semantic search is definitely the way to go. So here's one of the questions that Google uh, says to ask in their core updates post. Does the content provide original information, reporting, research, or analysis? Now, these things are hard to quantify. They're not like page speed where you can aim for a score and see, oh, I have a, a positive score, or I have a red score, or a green score. A page rank-based algorithm can tell you if a page is often recommended or linked to, uh, and it can tell you if there's keywords on the page, but it can't tell you whether there's original information on a page. It can't tell you, uh, it can tell you if there's original keywords, perhaps, but not if there's original information, reporting, research. This is something that a page rank algorithm wouldn't do. How about this? Does the heading, headline, or page title avoid being exaggerating or shocking in nature? Again, how could a page rank algorithm determine whether a heading is shocking? I'm going to show you an example in a second of a heading uh, that is uh, not true. It's, it's shocking. It's something uh, that you would not believe and show you how Google uh, could actually determine the same thing that a human being would determine here. Another question is, does the content have any easily verified factual errors? I think you'll find this video very, very interesting. Uh, it's a way that Google could measure whether information on a page is factual. What we want to do is we want to evaluate the trustworthiness of sources by the correctness of its factual information. In other words, we want to use some uh, endogenous signals. So what do I mean by the correctness of the factual information? So if we have a web page and uh, we find out it claims 10 facts and out of it, seven are correct and uh, three are wrong, 
Then we compute the accuracy as the number of correct facts out of the number of all facts. And in this example, it is 7 out of 10 is 0.7. Right, wrong means whether it is consistent with the real world. To me, that's mind-blowing that Google can do that. Again, we don't know if they are, but if they are, it makes sense. It makes it possible, in my opinion, for Google to answer the core update questions. So let's take a look at this example from the Quality Raters Guidelines. This example is giving this sensational headline that there's uh, an unlimited source of nuclear power on the ocean's floor. Now, that's a big deal, I think. I'm not an expert in oceans or nuclear power by any means, uh, but I feel like that's something that would be very, very big news. So how could Google, in a PageRank algorithm, determine that this heading uh, is maybe false? Well, I don't think they can with PageRank, but if you look at entities, the entities in this, you can very easily determine that there are no other authoritative news sources that are talking on the same topics. There are no other, uh, you know, if, if this was actually truly a news story, it would be on the BBC, it would be on CNN, it would be on Wall Street Journal. It would be something that would be written about in uh, major news publications. And so Google can probably verify that, uh, uh, number one, that the information in this article is not factual, therefore it's low quality. And number two, that the heading is sensational. And there's all sorts of stuff that AI can be doing to determine the sentiment, uh, to determine uh, the tone of a, uh, a sentence. There's a lot that could, uh, that could happen there. Um, a lot of these questions are uh, described in Google's Quality Raters Guidelines. And so uh, I have, uh, I was working on the fourth rewrite of the Quality Raters Guidelines book. Uh, and not the guidelines themselves, but the book. And um, this book is something that we sell, although I think we're going to actually not do a fourth edition because I've realized that we can really focus on the questions that are in Google's blog post. So I'm actually currently working on a resource that uh, we may just give away to everybody uh, on uh, how you can assess your website based on the questions in uh, Google's blog post. Um, so I started wondering uh, how could Google answer these questions in their, their blog post? And there are many others. I'm not going to go through each of the questions. But what I realized was that it's only possible if Google can extract entity information from pages. Now, I had a very interesting conversation this week with Bill Slosky talking about structured data versus unstructured data. And we know that Google can extract structured data from pages. For example, your business address, your business name, those are pieces of structured data that Google can extract from your page and they can store that in the knowledge graph. And so uh, when you do a search for your business name and you see along the Google SERPs the knowledge panel, that's information that's pulled from the knowledge graph. Those are facts about your business. But what about other things that are on pages. Not everything can be classified as, oh, this is a business name. This is an author name. Uh, entities can be any noun, any uh, anything really. An entity can even be a concept. Uh, I ha I've been tweeting this week about some very interesting conversations I've been having with the OpenAI uh, project. Um, those are, are really, really interesting. I'll probably talk about those in a, another podcast. And I realized that AI, the way that AI deciphers language, 
is by understanding the entities in the language. I'm going to talk in a minute about tools that you can use to actually reverse engineer your writing and make sure that AI can understand what you're saying, can pull the entities out of it. Uh, and so understanding entities is the key to understanding where Google's going in search, in my opinion. So going back again to 2013, when PageRank went from being the main ranking factor to one of 200 ranking factors, I think that initially in 2013, Google weighted PageRank the same that they always have been. And that's why we didn't notice as SEOs that anything had changed. And then over the years, as they've made advancements in understanding language, which mostly is AI and natural language processing, they've had more and more capability to perform uh, semantic search. So I keep saying this word semantic search. What is semantic search? Semantic search is search that's based on understanding the meaning of words, as opposed to understanding, uh, as opposed to just keywords and matching keywords in queries with keywords on pages. Entity information is stored in knowledge graphs. And semantic search can help understand the connections between each of those pieces of entity information. Uh, I, was, I was musing on Twitter this week about uh, whether it would be possible to have a knowledge graph that contains all of the information in the world all of the facts in the world. I asked the AI about that actually, and the AI told me that it's not possible because there's always new information being added, uh, which I thought was a very profound answer. Um, but it did say that yes, it is possible to have a vault of information that contains every single fact and known piece of knowledge in the world. To me, this is mind blowing because look, think of the, the possibilities with medicine that you could say, all right, this person has this symptom and this symptom, and the AI has access to every piece of research that's ever been written, every medical file uh, that's ever happened, every testimonial, uh, and can judge whether something is fact, factual, maybe uh, potentially uh, true or not, uh, and put those all together. I feel like AI can solve all of medicine. It could solve every single um, medical problem in the world. And I think a lot of people are talking about the dangers that could be coming with uh, the advancements of AI, but I'm much more excited about the good things that AI could be doing. Uh, and so um, semantic search to me is Google using AI to understand the meaning of words, the connections between those words, and using that to find answers for people's queries. Uh, let me go on a little bit more here. Google recently published a blog post on how proud they are of how AI powers their search results. And I've done a lot of content trying to dig into that because I realized that this is very, very important. A few episodes ago, I talked with Don Anderson, uh, who has very good knowledge on machine learning and, uh, and AI. And, um, and we kind of unpacked all of the different advancements that Google has made in AI and how they've affected Google search. Uh, we could go back to 2015 when RankBrain came out. So RankBrain was AI. And when RankBrain came out, we really focused as SEOs on its ability to understand queries. RankBrain uh, could help um, uh, the search engine understand what is the intent behind this query and then match it with content uh, that meets that intent. Uh, but we really, really focused on this uh, advancement in understanding the meaning of queries. Now, Danny Sullivan, again, when he worked for Search Engine Land, he uh, wondered whether RankBrain was also being used on pages as well to understand content on pages. And I do believe that it's possible. 
Um, when Rank Brain came out, uh, and I talked about this with Glenn Gabe uh, in uh, two weeks ago in our episode, Glenn called these updates because we didn't know what they were. Google didn't tell us. All we saw was that there was a lot of turbulence in the search results. And um, Glenn called them phantom updates because they were just phantom. We didn't know what caused them. We didn't really know how to fix them. We felt it was connected some way to quality, uh, but we really didn't know why. And then Google actually came out and told us, actually, you should be calling these quality updates. And um, there's a lot of information about uh, about these quality updates uh, and what we're supposed to do with them. And all of the information that was written on Search Engine Land, on Search Engine Roundtable, on anywhere that had a quote from Google uh, talking about these quality updates, they would refer us to a meet single 23 questions to know about Panda. These questions came out in, uh, you know, many years ago, I believe it was 2011 when Panda first came out. Uh, and when they came out as SEOs, we would kind of say, well, like, that's nice. They're nice ideals to ask, but uh, an algorithm could not measure these. Well, I believe that RankBrain was the beginning of Google being able to answer uh, these unanswerable questions algorithmically. BERT was another uh, huge change, a huge advancement in understanding natural language processing that um, moved uh, forward, uh, moved um, Google forward a lot. Now, BERT was announced in late October of 2019. And November 8th, 2019, there was a massive update that nobody gave it a name. Uh, it, it really wasn't talked about that much, but we saw a lot of sites come to us that had been affected by this update. And what we saw in these sites is, uh, I saw a pattern where it seemed that uh, these sites had been involved in sort of gray hat link building, maybe even white hat. Uh, a lot of people would call it white hat link building, but link building in ways that technically probably fit with Google's algorithms, but really was only being done uh, for the purpose of creating links. And uh, links to improve your page rank. So an example would be maybe recipe bloggers uh, who uh, wrote a big long recipe and then said, if you like this, uh, here's five other recipes that you might like. And they would link to their friends and those friends would link back to them in sort of a, a link wheel, that type of thing. We saw um, sites as well see drops where they had get, gotten links from being in lists like the best top 10 software for this or whatever. Uh, and they were mentioned. And I theorized at the time that Google was putting less emphasis on page rank and understanding which links to count. And I actually think that uh, BERT was a component of this. The more Google understands language, the more they can determine... Um, uh, I said the more they could determine um, whether a link is a true recommendation. I don't know whether they do that. Uh, but what I do think that they do is uh, maybe weight page rank a little bit less because now they can determine that content itself is actually meeting the searcher's intent. Um, another big advancement that Google uh, told us recently about was this thing called neural matching. Now, a neural network is how our brains work. Our brains go, if I tell you about this person and also this person, your brain puts the connection together. Your brain says, oh yeah, yeah, I saw them both at an SEO event. Uh, and so they're connected. That's how a neural network works. Now, again, imagine having a neural network that was so big that it could contain all of the information in the world. Uh, you know, this is what uh, uh, Google talked about with their knowledge vault. But neural matching is something that takes content from pages and uh, can determine what topics 
are discussed in those pages. I believe that neural matching is a big part of what we see with Google Docs AI summaries. If you uh, type a document into Google Docs right now, on the top left, there's a little uh, button that you can press. And initially, when it was summarizing documents, it was taking the headings from the document. And I was like, okay, that's nice. It's actually good to write your documents in ways that uh, the headings describe everything so that users can skim. Um, but the Google Docs summaries now actually summarize your entire content. And it's a really good tool to use because if Google Docs summarizes your content and it's wrong, then you know that search engines can't understand your content. So what you want to do is write content uh, that AI can understand. We'll get to more of that in just a minute. And then the most exciting thing is the upcoming uh, news that we have about MUM. Now, we've talked about MUM. MUM is being used in Google's algorithms to determine um, whether vaccine information about COVID-19 vaccines are legitimate. Uh, it's being used in a couple of places. It's one of the uh, ways that it extracts content from videos. When you see those things in the Google uh, search results uh, saying, um, here's a video that's related to your topic and it pulls out the exact clip from the video. Uh, that's sometimes because people have put timestamps on their videos, uh, but some of that is MUM. Google told us on their Search On event that MUM is very good at extracting information from video. And so uh, this article by Olaf Kopp is fantastic. Olaf, I've only just recently discovered Olaf's writings. He's written a ton on EAT and semantic search. And so uh, I hope to maybe possibly have him on podcast one day. Uh, and we, I have got a lot of questions that I want to ask him about his work as well. Um, so MUM is something that can pull entity information from uh, video, from images, from other languages, and then actually piece together content, uh, which is very, very exciting. And it really, I think that when we actually see MUM being used uh, in organic search to its full extent, we're going to be most of the way to Google being fully semantic uh, as a search engine. So going back to the, um, uh, the example that I gave from the Quality Raiders Guidelines of this article that talks about um, nuclear power coming from the ocean floor. With entity information, these questions are easy to answer. If, if, if we're asking, does the headline uh, or page title avoid being exaggerating or shocking in nature? Well, AI can do that. AI can pull out uh, whether um, there's anything unusual, anything that hasn't been seen before. AI can determine, oh, this sentence is telling us that there's a new source of nuclear power on the floor, on the ocean floor. And uh, if that has not been noted anywhere else on the web, then that's shocking information. And so... Uh, and again, we talked about easily verified factual information. This is something that would be very easy for Google to do. I think that in June of 2019, we had a, uh, it was June 3rd, there was a core update where we saw a lot of websites that were medical, alternative medical websites do poorly. And I think this is an area where semantic search determined um, whether websites had medical information that was not verifiable. Uh, or, you know, was, was making medical claims that uh, were not made on other places. And um, so there's a lot uh, to unpack there. We have a lot of information on, uh, I'll link in the show notes to our resources on um, how you deal with that type of thing or our best advice uh, for that. Semantic SEO is, in my opinion, dramatically different than page rank-based SEO. It's different than what a lot of people are doing now. If your SEO right now is based on keyword research, getting links, 
and improving technical SEO, those aren't bad things to do, but they're not going to get you ahead. They're not the thing that's going to give you a, a, a big advantage. I believe that the closer Google moves to being a semantic search engine, then this is one that relies on entities and the semantic relationship between them, the less they need to rely on page rank and links as a determination of relevancy. Now, um, the question then is, what do we do with this? A, a lot of SEOs, when I tweeted about this, I tweeted my theories. A lot of people said, well, you know, that's nice information. Uh, but whenever you talk about entities or anybody talks about entities, what's the point? How does it differ? How, does S how is SEO different if we are optimizing for semantic search as opposed to a keyword-based search? And so I want to share with you my thoughts. And I want to tell you that I'm early in this journey. Uh, I'm going to mention some people who are uh, doing really, really good work in terms of semantic search. And, uh, and hopefully you'll get some information from them. And uh, we'll be unpacking this and, and exploring the options with our clients uh, as we do this. If you want to become a client, by the way, you can do that. Um, go to mariehaines.com slash help. And uh, we have capacity to take on uh, more site quality reviews and ongoing work as well now too. Uh, so let's talk about some of the advantages. Why would you pay attention to semantic search? First, you can use Google's core update questions as a checklist. You can assume that everything that they've asked in here is something that's important. Uh, like I said, I'm going to be producing a document uh, that we'll hopefully share with everyone on uh, specifics on how you can take these questions in Google's core update list uh, and, and actually apply them to your website. Um, second, we can produce much better content. If Google wants uh, to display content that shows entities that are closely related to a topic, then we need to be producing content that contains entities that are closely related to a topic. Um, and so uh, knowing what's factual, what's true, um, can help you produce better content. There are exciting ways to do that. Uh, for example, using the people also ask results. Um, I know Mark Cook is doing great work with uh, alsoasked.com, uh, but you can do it manually as well. Also ask just helps you uh, get a spreadsheet of all the also asks. Um, you could do a search for, say you're creating content on how to create a business plan. Do a search for how to create a business plan and see what the also people also ask say. Those are entities that are closely connected. You want to make sure that you answer those questions in your content. You want to make sure that you have headings that show that you're answering those questions well. Google can pull information out from full documents, but it really helps if we structure our documents in a way that makes it easy for them to say, ah, well, the user had this question and it's very clearly answered in this blog post. Um, and uh, also the related searches at the bottom of uh, a search result, um, when you get those little bubbles that say closely related, those are things that Google's algorithms think are entities that are closely related. Now, you don't want to go including all of those. And the, the key here is not to include the keywords. Some of you have been doing, uh, looking at people also asks and the related search results as well and uh, using those as keyword research. The key here is to thoroughly understand 
oh, this is the question that users have, and this is the question I need to answer. The, the, the point is not to get your keywords on the page. It's to make sure that you've thoroughly answered this question in a way that uh, Google's algorithms can parse out and understand. And that's why we've been having a lot of fun playing with Google's natural language processing tool. You can actually use it. It's completely free. Uh, you just go and there's demo content in there. Um, put your sentence or your paragraph that you're trying to write into this tool, and it will extract entities from it. Now, let's say it doesn't extract the entities uh, that you want to rank for. Well, then you need to tweak your writing uh, for it. And there are ways to write. Uh, I hear people saying, did you hit your triples? Uh, triples are a way for writing um, for AI so that AI understands. And I'll be going into more details on that in future podcast episodes. Uh, the other thing that you can do with a knowledge of semantic SEO is to understand topical authority. Um, topical authority means that Google's algorithms can recognize that you have lots of information on one particular topic. Now, um, this is one of the reasons why improved internal linking can really help a website. We've had some great success stories where we've worked on improving internal linking across a site, uh, and and it's and it's done really well. Now, in the past, when we've done that, it's been for page rank reasons. Uh, but I actually think now that um, what's even more important is showing Google that you have uh, much authority much knowledge on this topic that you're writing about. And so let's say I write about EAT and every time I write in a blog post or maybe in one of our newsletter episodes something about EAT, we link to that initial post that I wrote on it and that strengthens uh, Google's understanding or Google's thought on how much knowledge we have on that topic. Now, um, somebody who's doing really, really great work uh, in this area is Corey Guber. Um, he has, uh, uh, I'll link again in the description to some of his work, uh, where he's been describing in great detail how he's creating these topical networks. Uh, and he's another person that I would like to have on podcast at some point to uh, uh, ask him questions about how he's doing this. Um, and we'll be very, very quickly uh, implementing this for um, one of the things that we offer for our clients is page comparisons, uh, where we look at, all right, here's a page that you think you want to rank for uh, this particular query or a set of queries um, and here's who is ranking and then we compare what needs to be done in terms of EAT and content and value to the user uh, and so when you pair that uh, with actually knowing what entities are in the knowledge graph and connected to your topics I'm, I'm incredibly excited about what we're going to be doing for our clients with this information um, and so uh Let's see here. The last thing, uh, well, not the last thing, there's probably other things you can do with semantic uh, search as well, is improve EAT, expertise, authoritativeness, trustworthiness. Um, I'm not going to go into great detail on that here, although it is the topic of my upcoming SMX talk, uh, SMX Advanced. I'm going to be talking on the specifics of using a knowledge of semantic search to improve your EAT. Google tells us that improving your EAT is something that we should be working on, and that if we think about our sites like a quality rate, would that perhaps we might do better in search. Uh, Google says if you can assess your content like a quality rater, you can work on having strong EAT. EAT is connected to entity information. Um, so this is kind of meta. Uh, if you're watching on the video, you can see that uh, in Google's blog post on core updates, they actually, uh, when they mention EAT, link out to me, uh, to my article that I wrote on EAT, along with some other uh, really well-known SEOs as well uh, who have written some great stuff on EAT. Uh, this mention is actually good for my EAT. It strengthens the connection where uh, an authoritative blog post from Google itself talking about 
about uh, how to improve in search has mentioned me, my name as an entity, uh, and yes, also linked to my website, which is a great thing as well. But I think even without that link, uh, this would be something that would improve my EAT, being mentioned on an authoritative site as an expert on a subject. Um, and so when we do things like adding schema, to our websites, we're helping Google better understand our business and the entities that are associated with it. And schema is structured data again. Uh, so we recommend doing everything you can uh, to, to make it really, really clear. Who are your authors? Um, you know, are they actually known? Is this, is your author who writes on this topic uh, the same author who writes on this authoritative website on this topic? You can use same as schema to, to do that. I feel like most SEOs by now are getting the importance of EAT. EAT, we know it's not a single score, it's not a single ranking factor, but it's a collection of signals that Google can use to determine the authenticity of your business. Um, so if you have more questions on EAT, I've written tons of stuff on that. Again, I'll, I'll link to some of my uh, work on EAT. Uh, but understanding um, semantic search will help us be even better at helping businesses improve their EAT. Um, Gary Eish also mentioned, and I talk about this a lot too, uh, that mentions are important for uh, understanding EAT. And what I mean by mentions are you might be mentioned on an authoritative website, but maybe not linked to. If I was mentioned on the New York Times, uh, you know, that would be a fantastic mention for me that would strengthen, say the New York Times did an article about SEO and they mentioned me as an expert, that strengthens the connections in the knowledge graph, or at least in my, uh, I think this is how it works, uh, between the topic of SEO and me as an entity as an expert on SEO. So um, we've talked a lot about uh, in past episodes about link building versus mention building. Mention building is essentially good PR. It's uh, finding places to get yourself mentioned, to get your business mentioned in authoritative places, not for the link. Uh, the type of links that you would get and you'd want to have even if it was not a followed link. Uh, and that's something that um, if you're interested in more of that, I can connect you with. Uh, some partners that do good. Uh, we don't do link building, but we have some really good partners that we trust to do good work in that area. Um, so I think, you know, over the last few years, we've really been helping a lot of websites uh, by uh, the information, by using the information that's in Google's quality raters guidelines. And I know uh, we got some flack for that. We, we've had, uh, you know, SEOs that I, I trust and have been in the industry for quite some time have had a hard time understanding why we would focus on the search quality guidelines when they're not actually the algo. And uh, what I can see now after just a little bit of studying about semantic search is that the only way that Google can answer the questions in the search quality guidelines and also in Google's blog post on core updates is if they can actually take information from pages and look at the semantic relationships between them. So hopefully that hasn't been too confusing. I feel like this is a topic that I'm going to be talking on for quite a while. Uh, and so there will be more to come. Um, I think that's a, probably a good place to end it. I think I successfully did a uh, video cut with just a few minor edits <laughs> in it. So uh, that's, a, that's a good thing. Um, if you are interested in hiring us, you can reach out at help at mariehaines.com. You can go to mariehaines.com slash contact if you want to uh, reach us that way. And um, yeah, I guess that's about it. So thanks so much for listening and watching. And I wish you the best of luck with your rankings. Thank you.